All right, morning prayers podcast. Uh, we are in Mark 15 today. Today is June 1st. We have two more days, two and a half really, like a full day Wednesday, a full day Thursday, and up till 8 o'clock on Friday for our fast. And then I will start drinking copious amounts of espresso. I'm going to bathe in it. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> Not really. I'm going to cut down on caffeine <laughs> after I have made these considerable efforts not to have any. Verse 1 of Mark chapter 15. Very early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin reached a decision. They bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. The chief priest accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of. But Jesus still made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. Now it was custom at the feast to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man named Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate knowing it was out of envy that the chief priest had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked them, Pilate asked them Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, Crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him, which is, they did a bit more than just set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews. Again and again, they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. This is our passage for the day. Um, yeah, so again, we're, we're in the final week of Jesus. And so if you've been around church, you've probably heard this a number of times. Uh, a couple of things just to point out this morning that might be interesting. At least they're interesting to me. Uh, you can see... In verse 1 and 2, it says, Very early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin reached a decision. They bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? Asked Pilate to Jesus. And he says, Yes, it, as you, it is as you say. So what, what Mark's not showing us there, um, but is inferred, is that the chief priests, the elders, and the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin have made a very strategic decision of the accusation that they're bringing against Jesus. Um, so what they're trying to do is to figure out what is the cleanest way possible um, to kill Jesus without blood on their hands. Um, and it's, we're going, to give, we're going to say that this man is saying that he is the king of the Jews. Um, and what that essentially says is like, there actually is a king of the Jews. Do you know who that is? Herod. Herod. So there is a king of the Jews. He's been appointed by Rome. And you have this other person who is saying that he is a king of the, the king of the Jews. 
and you have a Roman system that takes insurrection very seriously. And in fact, we know that in this passage because there is a man in prison who has murdered people as part of an insurrection whose name is Barabbas. Um, We've talked about this in the past, but Rome has only one way of dealing with insurrection, and it's murdering everyone that's part of that insurrection. Um, Barabbas is quite lucky because he's about to get offed. That's what's going to be happening to him. Um, The way that that's going to happen, we don't exactly know. We just know that it's probably happening very quickly. He's not chilling in the dungeon for the rest of his life. He's going to be killed. There's a very recent insurrection that's happened. So the, the, uh, all the leaders of the, the Jewish religion have gotten together and have decided to make a political accusation against Jesus, not a religious one. Um, the religious accusations happened earlier in the night. And so the religious accusations were trying to get all of the leaders on board with the fact that Jesus should die. And once they all got on board there, they flipped it. So it stopped being a religious accusation, and it became a political one. Um, so there's a lot of, like, backdoor cigar smoke-ridden deals that are happening, um, trying to get to the point where they can get Jesus crucified and get them off of their hands. Um, it says Pilate recognized that they were envious of Jesus. Um, but I think we've, we've talked about this before. One of the things that we sometimes miss is that um, it's not just that they were envious of Jesus. They, were, they did think they were looking out for the best interests of the people. Um, if, if Jerusalem is involved with a mass revolt, Jerusalem is destroyed. Um, and we know that that is very real because that is what happened to Jerusalem in 70 AD. That did happen. Uh, we talked about that last week. And so we see that the, the disciples, excuse me, that the, uh, all of these religious leaders, they've made a very specific... Um, choice, um, and it was a very clean choice. So we know in a couple of days that the city kind of dies down, except for word that Jesus has resurrected from the dead. Um, so if we're only looking at this through like worldly eyes, they've actually made a really smart, expedient choice. Um, they got everyone on board with it, and then they flipped the charges so that it wouldn't be anything that would reflect poorly on like this religious culture. It would be a, we're just looking out for the best interests of the people. This is actually really good work on the part of, I'm, I'm not saying like they should have done this. I'm simply saying, you know, if you're watching Game, Game of, not Game of Thrones, House of Cards um, or some other dealings, that's, I mean, that's a pretty smart move. Um, we see amazement on the point of Pilate uh, because he's, they're just hurling accusations after accusations after accusations. Verse five, but Jesus still made no reply. Um, I think this is, this is just an interesting point. Like they're saying things about Jesus that aren't true. Um, they do say some things that are true that you can read in some of the other gospels, but they are saying, but you can also read in the other gospels, things about Jesus that are in no way, shape or form true. Um, and this is where, again, we look at the way of Jesus. Um, Jesus felt no need to defend himself. Um, he fully recognized Like, his job was not to defend himself. His job was to stand there. His job was to take it. And his job was to die. That was his job. Like, that, because the Father had ordained that that was to happen. And he only did what he saw the Father doing. And they are hurling stuff at him that were just lies. Um, And what the Father was doing in that moment was for him not to defend himself. It was to take it. Um, it was to swallow up all of, these, all of these accusations in the same way 
that he would swallow in himself all of the violence and sin that has ever been committed and expunge it on the cross and give nothing back. That is what he is doing. There is a way of the kingdom, and that was the way in that moment to swallow up all of the violence that has ever been done and to not give it back. To defend himself was to miss the point of what was happening. He was swallowing it all up. So if you think about, if you've seen The Green Mile, um, the way that Michael Clark Duncan, the actor, who I can't remember what his name is in that particular movie, um, he, would, he would inhale all of the darkness that was in people and swallow it himself. And then whatever like thing was wrong with him, whether it was um, in a, like mental illness, whether it was actual like physical healing, um, or whether it was um, just unforgiveness, he was able to swallow it up in himself and they received healing and he brought it into himself and eventually he dies. Um, that is what Jesus is doing. Um, there's, a, there's a quote that has really been on my mind the last couple of weeks and I might have even said it already, but it was um, people are always saying to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world, um, but they never think about what happened to Jesus' hands and feet. Um, there are, like... There, there is this thing in the world right now, like among Christians, um, where we get to be part of something that is bigger than ourselves. And it's like the saving of the whole world. And it sounds really like hip and cool because we're part of a generation right now, if you're a millennial, who is all about like saving the world and making the world a better place and this, that, and the other. Um, and so we use language like we're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. And we're going to see that everything is reconciled, which is all true. But you just have to remember what happened to Jesus when he did that. Um, And that's what we've signed up for. No, I'm not saying that we're going to get crucified. I'm not saying that we're going to get killed. I'm just saying, like, there's a way that the Father works in the world. And look what happened to Jesus when he lived according to that way. Um, It's just really important for us. Like, when we think about what Jesus was up to and what he invited us into... Our mind should probably go to Luke 9, where it says, like, all right, this is what you're going to do. Every day, you're going to wake up, you're going to pick up your cross, you're going to deny yourself, and you're going to follow me. So that sounds really like, that's like a really beautiful rhetorical thing until you start thinking about what following Jesus costs Jesus, or what following the Lord costs Jesus. Um, Yeah, it's, it's hard. Like, it's really, really hard. Um, people, because you are, if you are at this table, it means that you are a leader of something. Um, people are going to say things about you in the church and outside of the church that are absolutely untrue and it will hurt you. Um, it, I mean, it will really, really hurt. And there are going to be many times, if not most times where you don't say anything back and you just like, you don't defend yourself. And it's not just this because, like, that's what Jesus did. Because there were times when Jesus did defend himself. It's just this recognition that, like, we are we're doing what we see the Father doing. And for, for many reasons, some of which we understand and some of which we don't, um, it usually is like we just let it go. Like, we don't, like, the person that we defend is Jesus in the gospel. Um, there is very little that we need to do in terms of defending ourselves. In fact, what the scriptures tell us is that Jesus is our great defender. Um, and the moments where we're defending ourselves are moments when perhaps we're missing the point. Um, so there'll be times where it's going to be really, really difficult. And the, the, the beauty for us is that um, 
the writer of Hebrews, um, in thinking about this moment, um, basically says to the, the church in Jerusalem about 35 years later after this, um, he says, consider Jesus, who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but that's Philippians. Um, I'm thinking it's Hebrews 12 too. Help me out here, people. Hebrews 12.1 is... Um, fix your eyes. I'm thinking... Yeah, author and finisher of our faith. faith. 12.2 is fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. He did not... I'm combining Philippians 3 and Hebrews 12. Now I'm just going to turn there. It was going to be a great ending. Thank you. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Uh, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before. And that's yeah. where I was getting. Endured there we go. The Endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary or lose heart. Um, which is a little um, hard. That's a hard pill to swallow. Uh, so when you are verbally crucified or when you are, it feels like people just are coming after you over and over and over again. This is the remedy to the salute. This is the remedy. Consider Jesus and how bad it was for him and what it is that he did for you and for all of humanity. Consider yourself that it's not nearly that bad and you will, through the power of the Holy Spirit, not grow weary, but you will be able to keep heart. Somewhat somber words in this day, but they're the words of the text in front of us, um, which hopefully do actually bring us comfort. Um, that it, we, we don't have to face this, um, and we don't have to face a life without Jesus, um, because he actually is the one who says, I will never leave you or forsake you, and surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age.